How's 2020 treat you so far? Still on your New Year's resolution? Huh? Working out an hour a day, not smoking? Going strong. I'm still dry as the Sahara. Oh, that's right. You're doing, what's it called? Uh, I don't know. I don't call it anything. I thought it's got you know, a name. People call it Dry January. Dry January. That's right. right. Where you've been partying a little hard over the, the holidays, eating and drinking too much, and so you give up the sauce for January, um, which for, for me, I'm an every night couple of glasses of wine guy. Um, but it's going good. I'm actually very pleased with it. Harder to get sleep at night. A, a, a really good wine buzz is the best go-right-to-sleep sauce ever invented. <laughs> It um, works. I'm really doing great on my New Year's resolution of making sure I constantly have a cold in 2020. Good, good job. Because I, I had one cold come and go that I started back last year, and then as soon as that got over, I started a new cold. So I'm going to try to have a cold the entire year. Wow, that's, that's, good. that's good. my New Year's that's resolution. Exciting. Good luck. <laughs> so we were talking a little while ago about the 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 West Coast bum explosion and what it means because it has a much greater meaning than you know. All right, so there are junkies in some city I never go to. Or uh, I might have vacationed in, or I might vacation in someday, and I hear it's it's poopy in San Francisco and and the rest of it, and and we're actually going to play something from Tucker Carlson's uh, American Dystopia series that's going on right now. It's quite good, it's quite fair, and it's beautifully done. Although I I do have this private message for Tucker. Tucker, we understand people are pooping in the streets of San Francisco. Oh boy, yeah. Can we just stipulate that we get it? People poop in the streets. Can you please stop showing human excrement every 20 seconds in your your show? It's gross. I guess you can make the argument it really drives it home, but I already, trust me, I know. Stop showing poo-poo. Anyway, a light note before we get into the nitty and the gritty. Jack, the Adult Entertainment Club Deja Vu of San Diego has provided hundreds of tents for homeless people in San Diego emblazoned with the logo of their skankatorium. <laughs> skankatorium? It's what a, the company spokesman said was a goodwill gesture to the community. Ryan Carlson, director of operations for the Las Vegas-based company, says, I wish every business would try to do their part, no matter how small or big. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're a smart guy, Ryan. Yeah, good and PR, I, Graham. I appreciate it. They shipped 200 of the tents to its seven deja vu clubs in San Diego in mid-December. Seven. That's that's near Monopoly Powers. I think the Supreme Court needs to look into that. I mean, what chance do other skankatoriums have with them dominating the market like that? But some are not a fan of the gesture. But if, Di- I, if I ever get a job and a home and off a of crack... Shave, bathe. I'm going to go to that strip club. Yeah. Not only do they have comely babes showing their body parts, but they're kind enough to give me this tent. I know you want this to be a lighthearted note, and I don't want to turn it super serious. But, <laughs> well, we're going there. The one thing we've got to ha- the the only thing I think we can do to change the narrative on the homeless problem in America is make it clear to everybody, and this is just true, it's got more to do with drugs and alcohol than it does the economy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Or housing prices. That's the key. Housing prices are a challenge, but they are not the challenge. Because when we talk about, and, and it's the reason I use the term bums and junkies and not the homeless, because there are families that have fallen on hard times. Maybe it's partly their fault. Maybe it's not whatever, but they're trying hard. Maybe they have kids, whatever. They're good people trying to get back on their feet. 
They have nothing to do with mm-hmm. the poo on the sidewalks, the crime, the needles, the, the horror, the breakdown of civilization. They're folks that need a little help maybe, and, and listen, we'll figure out a way to help them. In fact, there are ways to help them. We're talking about the bums and the junkies. So anyway, uh, there are a number of parents who say, now my kids are asking me what deja vu is. When we go to when we're driving to school, it's when it seems these tents all over. You the just place. say it's it's when it seems like you've lived this before, but you haven't. Right, it's just like some sort of skip in your brain. Right, exactly. That's what deja vu is. It's yeah, it's it's a common. Uh, yeah, don't worry about it, kids. Do your homework. <laughs> That's what you say to them. Uh, but listen, the reason we talk about this so much, you pay to look at boobies. There are a couple of reasons. Number one, to warn everybody who's not in these blue cities. This compassionate-sounding greeting card rhetoric and, 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 and soft and cuddly programs, they don't work. They're a disaster. Run from them. Show up to your city council meeting. Tell them, yeah, it sounds good, but it doesn't work. Okay, that's one of the reasons. The second reason we talk about this so much is that it is a, there's a fundamental question being decided here. Can we ask the citizens of a country to follow the law and to have respect for each other's needs in in the public square in the parks in the streets in the sidewalks in the on the running trails that sort of thing or when people say no I'm a junkie I crap on the street and I'm living here do we have to put up with it and listen I'm like way down the libertarian road I'm a, I'm a, I'm all sorts of less regulation more liberty guy but If you're creating externalities, if your freedom is actually hurting people, not making them feel bad like your snowflake college students, but actually like impacting their, their, their ability to enjoy their lives or be safe. Well, that's when your liberty has to be curtailed. And what's funny is in the progressive West, they, the forces of mostly progressivism have decided that it's just too mean to tell people you can't crap on the sidewalk and live here. It's just too mean. And and people only steal and commit crimes and hurt other people because of Trump's economy or whatever, so we can't really be mean to them if they do crimes. And so it is really a fundamental question of are we going to have law and order, are we going to have civilization or not? And we and Tucker Carlson's been on this lately, and he uh, he his people were talking to a San Francisco cop. This is true. These are the policies in San Francisco, and I want you to imagine what your town would be like if your town was doing the same thing. If I went into a store and stole a PlayStation, what would happen? Uh, if it's under nine hundred fifty dollars, you get a get a citation. If I smoke crack on the street, what would happen? Citation. If I exposed myself in a public park, what would happen? Oh, no, citation. If I camped on a sidewalk, what would happen? Uh, warning, maybe a citation. If I broke somebody's car window, what would happen? Again, under $950, uh, citation. If I stole somebody's wallet or purse, what would happen? Uh, no force or fear used, you just took it. And if we caught you, citation. Him to prostitute, what would happen? Yeah, no, nothing. If I was carrying an illegal firearm, what would happen? Um, discharge, pending further review, you'd be back out on the street. So what's citation mean? They give you a piece of paper? Yeah, they give you a ticket. And, and so if I'm a homeless person who just exposed myself in the park, right. you write me a ticket, and I say, what am I supposed to do this? You throw it in the trash? If and you're go back particularly to conscientious, you throw it in the trash. Other uh, Or... And yeah, this right. happens. <laughs> right, I throw it in the trash. That's hilarious. And SFPD, believe me, we're standing up for you. 
Or you just take the thing and tear it up in front of the cop who gave it to you. You throw it on the ground and you walk away. Which you can understand why the cops said that at some point you'd stop writing those, because why do I want to fill these out all day long? What am I What am I accomplishing here? Well, right, and even if it is a righteous bust of a criminal, you know, and especially now, uh, San Francisco just elected a, a DA who's to the left of Trotsky. I mean, this guy... He's not going to prosecute a murder if it's, you know, a a homeless person murdering uh, the bourgeoisie. I mean, this guy's insane. So the cops make a righteous bust of a real criminal. They bring it to the DA's office, and the DA DA says, get out of here. You're wasting our time. Does the average homeless person have uh, an ID of some sort? I mean, how how do they even fill out the citation? What name do they put on there? Do they ask for an ID? Yeah, I don't do you have, have to have? Do you carry an ID if you're homeless so that you can get your free stuff from the government? I'll bet you have to have an ID for that. I'll bet it's I worth, doubt it. You don't think so? I don't. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't. I have a low level of certainty. I just wonder if you're if you feel not because if I'm a if I'm a to get a social security check, you would right, but not like you know. A oh no, no, not voucher the, or whatever. I don't know. No, not to go down to the the get the free food and that sort of stuff. Right. I'm sure you just show up, but yeah, to get your social security check. But anyway, yeah. um, so could I? If I steal, um, I steal a Nintendo Switch. It's under nine hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. so I steal one of those. Yeah, you write me a citation. I give you my name. It goes into a computer somewhere. Yeah. So then later that day, I expose myself to kids at the park. Um, you write me a citation. My name goes into a computer, and then later that day, what's another crime? Oh, I, I steal a purse. Right. And that's also a citation. So I've done yeah. three that day, and yeah. the same name in the computer. Does that catch something or not? I doubt. I've done it. three things in one day. I doubt. And it. why wouldn't I just give you a different name every time? Uh, well, right. Yeah, I don't have an ID, and my name is Joe Jones. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, what's oh partic- Joe Jones the exposer? What's uh, particularly uh, insidious about this is now the criminal gangs have gotten to practice over and over and over again in San Francisco, and now they're flooding out across the Western United States and and uh, coming to a city near you because they've become really really good at doing like 75 car break-ins in you know the space of an hour and a half um and and they have the technology and they communicate they it's like a football team they now have their plays down um so this this experiment in lawfulness or lawlessness is being played out it's coming to you soon and if it doesn't go the right way you know there's going to be some ugly times for a while but anyway, I, we don't want to bring you down or anything. I mean, a, a kiss is still a kiss. Well, that's a puppy not an dog attempt will to still make you smile. And that didn't sound like an attempt to bring people up. Well, no, it's realism, man. Realism, grow real- up. Thank you. I cede uh, the rest of my time to the, the the angry man over there. I'm really. That's amazing. Of course, it's San Francisco, but exposing yourself to people in the park. That's just a yeah. Well, although there are you know there's a, there are like minded cities. Uh, you're way left wackadoo city. Seattle is pretty similar. Portlandia? Portlandia, you can put on a black suit and a black mask and beat the hell out of oldsters in an intersection and call yourself anti-fascist, even as you do the most effective fascist imitation since Mussolini got hung upside down, and they're not going to arrest you. <laughs> so, be um, vigilant, my friends, ever vigilant. Got some products from the Consumer Electronics Show we can hip you to? That sound cool? Yeah, the way. come on there. Uh, on a lighter note. Talk more about Megxit later. What now? That's Harry and Megan are leaving the royal family. They're calling it Megxit. You're calling it Megxit. <laughs> <laughs> All the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
red, blue, rainbow, white, they all indicate whether the dog is relaxed, excited, stressed, happy. So just at a glance, you'll be able to see exactly how your dog's feeling. And as I said, if you're a dog owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're, your pet's not quite acting themselves, your dog's not quite themselves, this will now help you detect exactly how they're feeling. Except that it won't. A, a tail. You described a tail. The dog's tail does all of that. The dog literally vibrates and or lays down its ears. The dogs are easier to read than the morning newspaper. That's at the Consumer Electronics Show where they now have some sort of mood ring sort of device you can attach to your dog. And if you give them five magic beans, they'll give you one. That's how you pay for them, with magic beans. <laughs> Baxter went up into Delaney's bedroom yesterday at some point and ate her her, her mint chocolate or peppermint bark candy bar oh. Christmas present. Um, and so I spent a chunk of the evening uh, searching for how much chocolate is bad for a 75-pound mm. dog. And turns out he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, Was your dog running around the house? I mean, we had a dog eat chocolate. It was running all over yeah, the place. Yeah, actually, that's one of the symptoms. They look, they act like they're super over-caffeinated. Uh, but no, Baxi ate, you know, a few ounces. Milk chocolate is less bad than dark chocolate, and, and, and he's 75 pounds. So. so we have been talking this week. We're going to have a guest on tomorrow to talk about the highlights from the Consumer Electronics Show. But I haven't seen much that uh, is necessary to anybody's life yet. Um, TVs have been huge in the past, though. CES isn't for necessary. Right, right. Um, uh, in the past, big TVs have been a thing, though. I think we've reached the limit of uh, how big a TV people want. So, or God, will we ever reach the limit of how clear the picture needs to be? <laughs> like, so I replaced my HD with a 4K, and now I hear they've got 8K they're displaying at the CES. How many K just, are my eyeballs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but there's a reason why smart TVs have gotten so dang cheap. The cute, the giant, huge 4K ones are under a thousand dollars. Chinese What's slave labor? Well, we're about to find out. We're about to find out right now. On Black Friday 2006, Best Buy advertised a steal of a deal for this 56-inch Toshiba. $1,199. And check out this 32-inch for a whopping $799. In 2019, the same size TV could be found for as little as $209 for a 55-inch and just $79 for the 32-inch. And these aren't just regular old TVs. These are smart TVs. They're powerful enough to connect to the internet, stream shows, music, and more. If we're looking at this from a completely analytical perspective, it doesn't really make any sense. Larger TVs, higher resolutions, more capabilities with internet connectivity. It should all add up to be more expensive. Mass production and manufacturing improvements can help bring down costs, and they have over the years. That's your slave labor. But this is a dramatic drop in price. Generally speaking, you shouldn't be able to get more for less. We get it. Especially when it comes to tech. So how do TV manufacturers manage to drop the cost of their units so substantially and still make a profit? China! It's simple. (laughs) They figured out another revenue stream. So how exactly do they make a steady stream of money after you've already purchased the TV? Ah. Well, there are a few ways. But quite simply, they track everything you do. Ah. While you're watching the TV, the TV is also watching you. 
Whether that's launching an app, watching cable or a streaming service, or even a DVD, the TV knows. It uses automatic content recognition to figure out what you're watching, no matter what you're watching. It reports that data back to the TV manufacturer and to some third-party companies. One study by Northeastern University and Imperial College in London found that almost all TVs sent data to Amazon, Facebook, and Google's ad services. It also found that every TV sends data to Netflix, even if you don't install or even activate the app. Really? Wow. So, okay, so I had avoided go. getting a smart TV for, for a lot of those reasons, but it finally just became, I couldn't function in the modern world and watch modern TV without it. But So it's, Vizio gets enough money from, from other companies and for their own use from information that it's worth selling me the TV I got for 800 bucks Because right. I got an unbelievable TV. should have been like a $4,000 TV and it was $800. I'm sorry, the Chinese slaves are asking me something. Do you get a raise? No! No! They're wondering with the new stream if they could get some. Yang no. keeps saying information's more valuable than oil on the world market now. Andrew Yang, yeah. And yeah. Uh, apparently it is. Yeah. Wow, that is pretty dang interesting. There you have it. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, it's funny. The most common question we get is, uh, how do you guys come up with, you know, enough to fill four hours a day? Because that's what we do, plus a podcast. The problem is actually the opposite. How do we figure out what to leave out? There's so much going on in the world. Um, that we want to get to. Quick rundown of a number of stories you probably want to be aware of. Uh, number one, surely you heard the, the the Iranians threw some missiles our way. There seems to be a debate now whether they were trying to kill our guys or if they missed intentionally. Depends who you ask. Um, that'll probably shake out at some point. But now the president said he's looking for peace with all who seek it. Meanwhile, Iran is probably going to try to hit us with cyber attacks and use their proxies to to kick us and our friends in the knee every chance they get. Uh, it's far from over, but man, we sent a message. And I tell you what, the one thing the mullahs are keeping in mind is if we have one of our little proxy groups, one of our little friends, do something nasty and an American dies, they're going to run for cover, which I kind of like. The impeachment TV show, there's a development on that. And listen, if I'm going to talk about it, it's as a TV show, because it's not a serious constitutional thing at this point. It's, it's half a joke. The, the argument in Republican circles is a lot of Republicans want to send over some of the ass kickers from the House, like Jim Jordan and, and Doug Collins, um, and, and what's the guy from Texas, uh, John Ratcliffe. They want to send them over to get some camera time to be part of the impeachment fight in the Senate. Um, since it is a TV show sure. and, and, and they've become really popular. Um, so they're trying to decide whether to do that. And the senators are like, no, we can handle it fine. Now, Lindsey Graham said it starts next week. If it starts next week, they ain't having a debate. Yeah. Because the senators have to be there. So we'll see. Um, hey, back to the Iran thing for a second. Yesterday was the day 
that the uh, the Trump team made their argument to Congress about why they had to assassinate old, old Salamander there oh, in, uh, in Iraq. The word assassinate is loaded, Jack. Let's say eliminate. Yeah, or or you know, strike a, a combatant on the on the field of battle. Remove from the field. Right. Why don't we just agree on that term? As Petraeus said the other day, aren't we at war with Iran? I'll let I'll let constitutional scholars decide that, but. Anyway, um, so they had an hour and 15 minute there behind closed doors because this is all top secret information. And they had the CIA director and the, uh, the, the director of national intelligence and Mike Pompeo, the secretary of state and the secretary of defense. And they made their <laughs> argument and explained to them why it was important that we, we kill this guy and the imminent attack, et cetera, et cetera. Well, some people were convinced and some people weren't. It was mostly along partisan lines, as you'd expect, but not entirely. Marco Rubio tweeted out afterwards. National security officials gave a compelling briefing to senators just now. Anyone who walks out and says they weren't convinced of our actions against Soleimani were, was justified is either never going to be convinced or just opposes everything Trump does. Okay, that's Marco Rubio's version of it. Just overwhelmingly clearly the case. Right. But not all Republicans were convinced. Uh, Utah Senator Mike Lee said it was probably the worst briefing I've ever seen, at least on a military issue, in the nine years I've served in the United States. They just filibustered. Uh, well, the headline everybody is going with was Democrats and some Republicans objected to. The, look, listen, Mike Lee and Rand Paul objected because they're way down the libertarian road and they are hardcore guys that Congress needs to be in charge of killing people. War. It's and it's which a, might be true. Oh, it's a, it's a perfectly valid discussion to have, but to portray it as you know some Republicans cross the well, it was those two, and they always do, and it's it's a pretty good question. It might be true that Congress should be in charge of this. Keep in mind, Mark Meadows tweeted this out yesterday: number of drone strikes by Obama's administration. This is <laughs> killing people. Five hundred and seventy-one times Obama killed very various Fatal people. Fatal drone strikes, including right. one U.S. citizen, right, Anwar Awaki, who deserved to die. But, um, yeah, and he uh, went on to tweet, uh, very conveniently, you only hear Nancy Pelosi and Democrats calling for limiting the president's powers when it's at real Donald Trump. To be fair, the reverse is also true. There were a lot of Republicans howling about whether or not Obama should be doing that, and I don't think they're as bothered by Trump doing it. But Right. Congress should be more involved in this sort of thing. Right. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. What is war and what isn't? The problem is, though, that... We couldn't answer that question satisfactorily in the 1950s when we were clearly at war in Korea. And we couldn't answer the question in the 60s and 70s in Vietnam. And now the whole question of what's a war, what's not, who's an army, who's not, um, you know, uh, how do you declare war against a group, a non-state actor? It's become way, way, way murkier than when we couldn't answer the question in, in the 50s. So I really appreciate Mike Lee and Rand Paul and their stance, because Congress is a collection of cowards and hypocrites, and they ought to put their name down on what they think ought to happen. On the other hand, it's a tough question to answer. I mean, you got, you got for instance, um, well, for instance, you got uh, General What's-His-Face there rallying his troops, the militias. They don't wear a uniform. They're not, in many cases, they're not even his countrymen. But Iran has troops all over the Middle East, Hezbollah the most notable uh, example. So he's there giving the commands about killing our guys. How is he not an enemy combatant on the field? So you snuff him and a couple of people with him. Is that, a, is that war? 
I, I don't. Nobody knows. But how troubling is it from a domestic politics standpoint that, with the two exceptions you gave, uh, and the reason for it, they're libertarians and they just they're their separate view of things. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, it's completely partisan. Yeah. If you're a Democrat, oh, absolutely, you can't do this. If you're a Republican, of course you can. Yeah. Really? And, and is that seriously, the way everything is? Seriously, DJ Trump gets tossed out of office and a Democrat is in tomorrow, they would reverse their opinion. All of them. Right, before the sun came up. Every one of them. Right, which is, you know, if you're not cynical about politics, you're an idiot. Oh, uh, one other Trump thing I wanted to mention in, in this segment, because it uh, just came down. Yesterday, and of course, didn't get much news coverage because when Trump gets a win, it doesn't. A federal appeals court ruled that the Trump administration can use $3.6 billion in military funds for his wall after a lower court had said that he couldn't last month. I was going to say, speaking of whipsaws. So this federal appeals court said he can use it. Did, didn't get much. Remember the amount of news coverage he got when a court said he couldn't use the money to build his wall? I hadn't heard this story. Right, of course. That's just the way it works. Speaking of hypocrites, the American media. Oh! I'm going to put on my uh, conciliatory hat. I found oh, that's it. very nice. Oh, thank you. I found it in the trunk of my car. I haven't like, seen it for weeks. I don't like feathers and hats. The uh, pretentious. I'm fancy. Matches his cape. So speaking <laughs> of the unpalatable, disgusting lies and hypocrisy of the American media, I give NPR a kicking about as frequently as anybody uh, in the country. Um, they're they're partisan liars and 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 pitchers of a certain point of view, but they pretend to be neutral. Um, we're not neutral, by the way. We're fair, but we're not neutral because some people get those things, you know, kind of conflated. But anyway, they were talking about another story you probably didn't hear about. A guy got sentenced to life in prison for gunning down a, a border patrol agent. Um, and, and you've probably heard about the, the slaying of, uh, Border Patrol agent Brian Terry, who was gunned down in 2010. They managed to round up seven defendants who were part of a criminal gang that was out there, um, in the, in the hinterlands robbing people and, and doing drugs and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and Mr. Terry or Officer Terry and his, his folks came upon them. There was a gun battle and they murdered Brian Terry. Now, conservatives know, it was with several guns that were part of the Obama administration's Fast and Furious operation, which did not come up in the court case, which I get. It's kind of a, it's another topic. But I'm going to tip my cap to NPR, who had a report on this and went heavy on the on the facts of the Fast and Furious operation in which Eric Holder and Obama sent thousands of powerful firearms into Mexico with the hope that they could track them and help break out Mexican cartels. The the endeavor was terribly, almost hilariously inept. They lost track of all the guns, and, the, and nothing ever came of it, except that the cartels got a flood of great new American firearms, um, which were used to uh, to murder this, uh, this poor agent. But anyway, I, I give them credit for at least bringing it up. The absolute, and, and by the way, nobody has paid so much as a parking fine from the Obama administration for the fast and furious exercise. Now, I've been critical of Trump's call with the Ukraine guy, right? How that uh, aid got held up for, for a while. It's just, it was silly. There was no need to do it. And it gave his opponents uh, clubs to beat him with. But the fact that nobody has so much has been yelled at over fast and furious. It just goes to show you, you know, justice is not 
generally for the powerful. So another study on why it's important to trust your gut when you're making decisions and not second guess yourself. This is pretty interesting. You could encounter this today at work or in a relationship or something like that. So that's on the way. Plus, I'm excited about this. A late night joke off about the what's it called? Megxit? Megxit. Yes. Not Brexit. But Megxit. Harry and Meghan are leaving, leaving the royal. The, oh they've said enough with the palace. Tears are being shed all across Great and, Britain. And so I would like to find the person who gave it the cutesy name, Megxit. Yes. yes, and hurt them. And lock them in a closet. Make them cry. So they can do no more harm to humanity. <laughs> all on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Next hour, we're going to get back into the um, just how bad the homelessness situation is in a lot of uh, a lot of cities. I I, I, what, I got to quit using that term because it makes it sound like we're going to do the. The the, price, the cost of living problem in Trump's America BS and not the fact that we got so many drug addicts and drunks on the street that you can't walk to your car. Yeah, it's bums and junkies. The poor, unfortunate folks who need a hand up. We're not talking about them. Stop giving them people the money on the streets. I saw it again. God, yeah. What is wrong with you? giving beggars money, you morons. God dang it. I've said that was harsh, morons. I mean, just because somebody hasn't figured out what's actually going on and their compassion leads them to do something that's slightly unwise, I, why would I call them a moron for that? It was unfair. Because you're mean? It was idiotic. It was over-caffeinated. Maybe you're mean. I apologize. I'm sorry. I need to have a good long talk with myself. People who second-guess themselves are idiots. Tend to make worse decisions than those who trust their gut, research suggests. Hmm. I know in golf, when you're reading your putt, they always say, go with your first read. They they did this test on a bunch of sports gamblers and found that people that go with their first instinct are right way more often than the people that second-guess themselves. And researchers say their findings would apply in any situation where people have to make an educated guess about their future. They speculate that, and I'm, I've been guilty of this my whole life, and I've always admired people who just, nah, we're going to do this. And they go, and they just do it that way. A lot of successful business people I've known, that's the way they are. Mm. Trump's that way. I mean, you just, not. Nah, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And they just go with it, and it seems to work for them. Uh, people who uh, overanalyze situations, that's me, it fogs the mind and stops people from thinking clearly or making the right decision. I know I've done that many times in my life. I do it daily. I'm very decisive. I decided to be decisive at age 18, and it's stuck. Back to you. I'm pretty decisive once I decide, but the getting there process is too long. So the I, I the feeling that I'm being you know smart by analyzing all the nah you were right the first time mm. this is it mm. you don't need more information you don't need to wait I didn't know this gut feelings are mysterious signals actually from our gastrointestinal tract that impact our emotions and decisions. Wow, wait a minute! It actually does come from your gut. It's obviously neurological in nature. The but... GI tract is more than one hundred times larger than the surface of the skin, and it sends more signals to the brain than any other organ system in the body. I know mine does. It talks to the brain <laughs> via the vagus or wandering nerve, mm. a superhighway of nervous signaling that snakes up the body from organ to organ. 
The well, wandering nerve. My snake organ. Uh, the nerve <laughs> carries top-down messages from the brain to the body, as well as bottom-up messages commonly described as gut feelings. I also thought it was really interesting that the longer the people second-guessed, right, the people who took two days to change their decision did worse than the people who took two minutes to change their decision. So the, the more you ruminate on it, the worse you yeah, do. That is, I got to remember that for the rest of my life. Spending more time on this is not going to help. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's certainly, uh, like, impulse buying, I would suggest, is a is an exception. But that's not a dis- that's not a an educated guess about your future, right? Okay, yeah, that's a okay. Yeah, I just yeah, I just and want to make it clear in, it's not all all decisions. And Correct. reacting Correct. in anger wouldn't count either, right? To something or, or should I and this other drunk person f- tumble into bed together? Right. It's, yes. It's a, oh, oh, my mistake. <laughs> hey, listen. I don't want to turn this serious, especially because we're going we're going to do a late night joke off about the Megxit. But this is important to me. Oh, when not, somebody else says it, it really gives me the oogies. I know it's that it's, nerve going from my gut to my brain, just like freaked out. Right. It's like eating an entire bag of Skittles as an adult. It makes you want to vomit. But um, as you know, not only the father of two daughters, but uh, I have a wife and a sister and a mom and the rest of it. One of the fundamental, never forget this, uh, principles of women being safe is to trust your gut, trust your instinct. If you're walking somewhere and you feel uneasy, it's because you should be uneasy. It's incredibly important. And you have... Pro- progressive activists at this point, Jack has battled them in, in city council meetings who say the opposite. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's some sort of bias and bigotry. Right. You, you, how, how dare you judge that person that, that makes you want to cross the street? That's your bigotry. And, and that's one of the reasons I think that point of view is, is literally suicidal for a society and individuals. Ladies, please do not fall for that. If a situation, if you're, if you see somebody in a parking lot and they freak you out and your instinct is to avoid them, avoid them. Don't listen to that, you know, whatever activist you heard saying that was racist or judgmental against the homeless or whatever. Please. Oh, look, the nanny is coming to Broadway as a musical, the TV show, the nanny. That's just fantastic. Um, in other news, uh, <laughs> late night joke off. We haven't done this in a while, often because they're not funny. I assume they're going to set up the joke for you, but the structure of the bit is the late night comedians had a story that was so big they all made a joke about it, and then Joe Joe judges them. Yeah, and the bottom vote getter, the bottom grade getter, will be banned from comedy for life. All right. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle announced that they'll no longer be senior members of the royal family and they might move to Canada. Ooh. I give them a lot of credit. Tons of celebrities always threaten to move to Canada. They're actually doing it. <laughs> Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan Markle announced on Instagram they're stepping away from the royal family and moving to Canada. Or as it was reported in British tabloids, Meghan kidnaps Harry. <laughs> Hyundai has announced a plan to partner with Uber to create a flying car. Here's the thing. Wait, we already have a flying Uber. It's called Spirit Airlines. Oh, yeah, Some TV nice news. Job. I heard that a spinoff of The Masked Singer. Hey, stop. Wait this a minute. The next one. Harry and Meghan are leaving the palace to become financially independent. <laughs> and you see, you see, this is what happens when you bring the first black woman into the royal family. Yeah. Yeah, she looked at Harry and she was like, you need to get a job. You need a job. 
You a grown ass man. You can't still be living in your mama's house, Harry. That's pretty good. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Our results are clear. Fallon and Myers, both with C minuses. Trevor Noah with a solid A. Funny joke. Um, and interesting commentary. So, Megxit, yeah. they're calling it, since Megan is uh, leaving. Uh, they're calling it Megxit. And apparently, the fact that they un- they announced they're ba- they're basically trying to divorce the royal family thing. They're just saying we don't want to be part of the royal family. We don't want to do that with our lives. We'd like to be regular human beings, please. They actually said that they want to earn uh, legitimate livings. Yeah, they want to. Harry wants to get a job. He's a helicopter pilot in Afghanistan. I don't think he's the sort of guy who's content with being some sort of kept pet of the British people. And humiliating, if comfortable, fate. Yeah, I hope this is the unwinding of the whole royal thing, and then in my lifetime it'll just go away. It doesn't really matter. It's not that big a deal, but it's just, the whole thing is so stupid. Well, in the immortal words of Johnny Rotten, God save the queen, because tourists are money. And you know thinks it's the stupidest of anybody on planet Earth, probably? Who that? Prince Harry. Yeah. Having has his mom die as a result of the, the craziness and all that. Well, and as a guy who's served in war and the rest of it. Yeah, he has a grasp of reality. So stupid. 